Is, uh, Mikdash is like a really a central focus and a central theme of the entire Tanakh. Even though, you know, it's especially in the Torah, it's a subject that tends to turn, turn people's attention off because they get bored by it or they don't, they don't appreciate it. They don't understand it especially. And, uh, and, and they don't devote time to, uh, to learning it because it's, uh, because it's so challenging and so difficult to, to relate to. Obviously, it's outside the range of our experience, Mikdash and Kodashim. And uh, it has uh, its own, uh, you know, seder of, of Mishnayot. And even the Rambam says that, you know, even in his time, uh, people didn't really, even know the Torah Shabichtav of Kodashim. Like he, would, he said, most of the rules I'm summarizing in the beginning of Seder Kodashim, it's just right from the Torah Shabichtav, but since nobody pays any attention, you know, they need me to summarize it for them. It's kind of sad, right? So the, uh, but that's the reality of it even today. Most people are not, you know, especially knowledgeable about Kodashim and about Mikdash, uh, because it's not halakha lima'aseh, and it's outside the, the uh, realm of our immediate experience, and it's sort of like a daunting topic, it seems. Uh, but the Torah devotes so much time to the issue of Mikdash, and, uh, and uh, you know, that's obviously not by accident. It's not like the Torah didn't have anything better to talk about. So it's so it decided to devote, you know, so many parashiyot to, uh, to Mikdash. I was re- recently came across uh, Sefer, of uh, the Chafetz Chaim I had mentioned and uh, called Torah Or. It's actually, it was really good. Um, it, it was a very engaging sefer and it was, it's basically a sefer about because the Chafetz Chaim was very into learning Kodashim and encouraged learning of Kodashim. He was a Kohen, but I don't think it was because he was, you know, no gab that he did that. You know, I think he did it because he realized it's, a, it's an area of Torah that's really neglected and he brings all kinds of sources for why it's important to learn and, and what, the, what the significance of the limud is and so on. So it's worthwhile looking at it but, uh, for those who have time. It's easy to read. Can you, can you tell us why is it significant? So we're gonna, that's what we're going to spend our time doing, I think, for the, for the most part. But let's start, let's start with what's the first place that there's any, any remez, let's say, any hint at all to, uh, to Mikdash and Torah. Maybe that's the best way to start. I'm not really, you know... Like I said, I'm, I'm relying on Siyat uh, Dishmaya. It's a very difficult topic to figure out how to enter into. Is, is it post the... Uh, What's the first place you find any, in, any mention of anything related to, to, to Mikdash? You talk about the terms of Pashur, like Shumat Tzaveh? Tell me a source, tell me a... You're referring to Mishkan also, right? Mishkan, yeah. Mishkan, yeah, Mishkan, Mishkan Mikdash, Mishkan. even Mikdash. I want to see if you're able to find what the earliest reference is, at least that is I can it, think of. Is it like Kain and Hevel bringing offering? Or that's not to do with Mikdash? Well, that's a good, I mean, that's actually... What was the idea of bringing offerings like that? Right, so in Torah Shibichtav, it's not clear that that's related to Mikdash, even though according to like the Rambam says that oh, it's a Masoret, that the place where Kain and Hevel brought the Koban, is the place where Adam was created, is the same place that, the, that you know, that... The Mikdash was built. I'm saying of the Mishkan in particular. Is there any reference to the idea of a sanctuary or some kind of a place, a Makom Mikdash in the Torah? So the, I'll, I'll give you a, uh, I'll tell you what I think the earliest one is, unless you can tell me otherwise, okay? The earliest one that I, th- that I know of is in the Akedah, actually. Because, because Abraham Avinu goes to Haramoria. Haramoria is Harabait, okay? And when he goes to Aram Moriah at the end, uh, at the end of the Akedah, he names the place Hashem Yireh. Asher Yamer Ayom, Behar Hashem Yireh. Right? So that, that's the. So all the Mefarshim really say that that's a reference to the Beit HaMikdash. In other words, that today, meaning in the future, this will be the place. 
called the place where Hashem appears, the place where the Shekhinah of Hashem appears, and it's connected back to the Akedah. Right? So really, in a way, even though it doesn't explicitly say Mikdash, that's considered to be a reference to the Mikdash, the idea that through Avram Avinu's, uh, uh, the Akedah that Avram Avinu uh, did there, and that became designated as a Makom for the Shekhinah, became designated as a Makom for Avodat Hashem, Really, these two things are always related to each other. In other words, the place that of uh, the place where a uh, where the Shekhinah is manifest is means a place where God and human beings are related to one another, are relating to one another. And so, the idea of a Makom Mikdash is a place where human beings can approach God, but it's a place where God reveals Himself to uh, to human beings. So it's, it's where that the channel where that relationship is open. So Avraham Avinu through his uh, act of the of the Akedah, specifically, actually through his uh, get, sacrificing of the ayil, which is which is the really fascinating thing about the story of the Akedah. I don't want to go too far into the story of the Akedah because then we'll literally we will spend the entire time talking about the Akedah. I know how you guys think, right? And we don't want to do that. So, but in in the Akedah, obviously, the original intent of Avraham Avinu was to sacrifice Yitzchak, and and the Malach stops him, and then says, "Now I see that you're your Elokim." You fear God, and then Avram Avinu. It says Avram lifted up his eyes and he sees Ayil He sees the, the the ram and he brings that. And then after he brings the ram, it says that. And then he calls the name of the place Hashem And then the Malach talks to him again and says, "Because you did this." I'm going to bless you and increase your, you know, after the second time, which is a very, very interesting thing. Why not after the first? Why not just from the fact that he was going through the Akedah get the Bacha? No, after the Ayah. Why not after? Right? So, so the idea that, um, yeah, so it, it's very strange, right? So what does that show you about Avraham Avinu? First of all, the fact that he was willing to make the ultimate sacrifice of giving his son is noteworthy. But beyond that, what happened? What would a person normally do at the moment that they were told by God, "You're off the hook. You don't have to kill your son." Oh, I don't have to kill my son. Let's go have a big party. I don't have to kill my son. Right? That's, a, that's what they would say. Right? What does Avram Avinu say instead? Well, then how am I going to do an avodat Hashem if I, I, I'm not killing my son? There has to be something that I do. So he get, takes the eye and puts it instead. In other words, he never left the framework of avodat Hashem. Everything he did was only lekadesh et shem Hashem. He thought the way that he was going to be obeyed at Hashem was through giving a son. He was willing to do it, the ultimate sacrifice, right? But when he when that wasn't when that was blocked, and that's why the midrash says Abraham Avinu said, "Oh, can I just make a little cut?" You know, and that's why the Malach says, "Don't do meumah. Don't do anything to him, right? Don't don't al tishachet don't do anything. Why? Because the Midrash, she brings the Midrash. Avinu said, well, if I can't do Shechita, can I at least, you know, take a little cut, you know, something. Meaning he didn't want to, he still wanted to do something to demonstrate that he was willing to give all to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right? That, so what, how do we do that? We do it through a Korban, which is obviously a substitute. It's a, it's a, it's a property, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's the highest form of a Rechush that a person can have because it's living and not a human. Right? A non-human uh, Prop, living property. So the so he gives that instead of his son. Wasn't there Midrash that said the whole idea about like Akeda was that he forgot about Hashem? Like, there's a Midrash like that. He was born and he didn't know. Right. So there's a, there's a there's a Midrash. Yeah. The Midrash says Achara Dvarim Ma'ele Achara Dvarav Shel Satan. Right. That the Satan said 
Oh, Avraham Avinu had a son. He gave him a son. He's so old. And what did he do? He had a mishteh. And not one korban did he give it, the mishteh, to you. This is the Satan talking to Hashem. Right? And then Hashem said, if I told him to bring, give me his son, he would do it. No. And that's why it says, What does it mean? It means, yeah, Avraham Avinu. The Midrash really at its core is trying to say that Avraham Avinu got a little bit caught up in the simcha of having a child, finally, in his old age, having a child with his wife, I've said, at an it old age. Got him versus right, it, he got lost. That's why it says he made a mishteh. He made a party, and there's no mention of anything of Hashem. And that's the first time you see Abraham Avinu do anything where he doesn't say anything, like Hashem, something. Right? It's very noteworthy, the absence. I mean, Sarah says, Tzachok asali Elohim, kol Right, but when it says, Vayas Avram Mishteh Gadol B'yom Igamelet Yitzchak, that doesn't sound like a very Abrahamic thing to do. Vayas Avram Mishteh Gadol. You never see Avram make a big party. Sounds like a Chashverosh Ladiyah. Right, no, not, certainly not. But the point is for Avram Avinu's level, right, Vayas Avram Mishteh Gadol, what does that mean? Avram is making parties? It's when Avram became a Mishteh Gadol. So the idea is that what the Chazal are picking up on is, yeah, he kind of lost that. So therefore, the Nisayon of the Akedah, according to the Pshat and the way that really the, like the Ramban and most of the Pshat, not uh, leaving the Rambam's idea aside, <clears throat> is that um, they need to overcome that. The purpose, of the purpose of the Akedah was to show that, no, you must be willing. The ultimate good and the ultimate objective of a person is to come close to Hashem and give up anything for that, even his own child. If that's God's will, he'll give up anything for that. Right, so that's the so obviously that wasn't actually God's will, but to but to reach the level where he was willing to give up anything, like the Ral Bag actually says, to show that the Ava he actually the Ral Bag says the reason why it says that I'm going to bless your children is because Yitzchak, seeing that his his father taught him through the Akedah also, that love of God is the ultimate thing, and anything that to fulfill the will of God should be primary to the person, even if it entails great sacrifice. So the point is that Avraham Avinu needed to demonstrate his devotion to God in a different way. He didn't suddenly switch back into the self-focused mentality that he had at the Mishteh, according to the Midrash. Right? So, but that he stayed in that mode of Avodat Hashem, even in that moment when he would have normally slid back into being relieved that he didn't have to kill the Yitzchak, and he was looking for, what am I going to offer God now? Okay? So that is the... That is the, uh, and then he, and he calls the place, when he sacrifices the ayil, he calls the place Hashem, Yireh, Hashem seats, right? Which, which means Hashem, uh, Hashem's hashkacha, you know, is, is, uh, extends, you know, to this place or manifested itself in this place. And we call today the place Hashem, Hashem Yireh, that Hashem appears, right? But the same, basically the same concept, that Hashem's shechina is manifest in this place. But how is Hashem's shechina manifest in the place? Right, any place that, that I, my name is mentioned, that's where That's where I when I come to bless you. In other words, the idea is that Avraham Avinu, because he reached the highest level in his devotion to God, that he was willing to literally give up anything. He brings the ayel as a substitute, but he's willing to give up anything. That's where Hashem's presence is manifest in the moment when Bnei Adam rise up to the highest level of being willing to devote themselves to God. That's when God's hashkacha uh, extends itself. Uh, in, in, in the clearest way. And that's really, you know, you could see that's the yesod of what a mikdash is. Um, the yesod of what a mikdash is, is that it's a place where we're demonstrating that everything that we have 
and all of our aspirations and all of the good that we, that we have and all of the blessing that we have is devoted to God. That is the ultimate, the ultimate address and the ultimate objective of everything we do is to relate to God, to come close to God. And that through that, Hashem's bracha, you know, and hashkacha is, uh, you know, reciprocates to us. That's, what, that's really what the Mikdash, the essence of the Mikdash, is a place that manifests Shekhinah. Shekhinah is a two-way street. It means our awareness, and it means also Hashem's involvement with us. It's always the same, like we are talking about Hashem Elokeinu last night. It's always a two, two sides of the same coin. What does it mean Hashem is our God? It means we accept Hashem as our God and we follow the Derech Hashem, but it also means Hashem's involvement and attention and Hashkacha is extending to us. Right? It's, these two things always go together. Okay, it's the two sides of the same coin. So the uh, it, it, so that's that's the first mention of something like Asher Yamir Ayom Behar Hashem This mountain is going to be a place that Hashem's Shechina is manifest to remember the Akedah, basically that that was the, the the first demonstration of the ultimate sacrifice I'm willing to be to be given by Abba Mari. That's the that's the he becomes a paradigm for all future uh, sacrifice because it was the ultimate. Even though he didn't do the ultimate, he was willing to, and he still gave something, right? He gave the ayin. So we also don't sacrifice our children, right? but we give uh, korbanot. But he was the one who founded that idea, that concept. But korbanot existed before Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he was the one who, he's making it a part of the, uh, uh, of the uh, Jewish, you know, meaning of our, in our family, there were, there were people who gave, like, freelance, you know, uh, korbanot, but there was no system of korbanot in place as part of Avraham Avinu's uh, movement, because you never see, you see that he built Mizbechot, but he never really, it never mentions him bringing korbanot. Really. But after this, there was? Like, what's the next? No, but meaning the fact that he's saying, he's giving the place a name. What does it mean to give the place a name? It means it has significance beyond this event, right? Yeah. In other words, if I give the place a name, I'm saying there's a permanent Roshem, there's a permanent impact of what happened here for future generations, that they're going to call this place something because he realized this event is significant for posterity. And it's true, we mentioned it in the tefillah all the time. Akedat Yitzchak in Rosh Hashanah, Akedat Yitzchak. Why? Because this becomes the paradigmatic moment, but it's also the paradigmatic moment of the Beit HaMikdash. It never mentions that they bring korban. Sometimes Yaakov brought zvachim, but with Avraham Avinu, doesn't really mention the korbanot very much. It says he built them as vech Did he do a korban? If he did, it wasn't mentioned. Right. That's for the brits. Yeah. And brit ben abitarim. It's like uh, it's hard to tell what's going on there, but. Uh, could you bring there's like a Sefer Achinuch there he also he says something similar that I, I think not about the Akedah but about the idea of the Shekhinah I just wanted to take a look at that I, I saw it over there it's like it's on like the, above that above where you're looking no no like right in the middle I think I saw it no it was like a white book or something looks like it was rebound no I thought it was like a white book right yeah I thought it was um, I was scoping out the books Thank you, thank you. Okay, this is such an important book. Everybody should learn Zebrachim. But the Isle was Abraham's choice, no? Meaning it's what he found. He but found it. It was not commanded at all. It was created in the Sheshat Yimei Brejit, according to, uh, him, according to what, the uh, Pirkei Avon. What made him bring that? Like, meaning the Malach didn't say bring the Korban. Exactly. Abraham just wanted to do that. That's the whole point. Meaning, instead point. of being like, I'm off the hook, 
I don't have to do anything now. I can go home and sell and have some lachaims with my son. Right. He genuinely wanted to demonstrate in some way his willingness to give all to Akadosh Baruch Hu, and and he just wasn't going to give his son, so he gave something instead of just saying, "Okay, now I can go back to a self-focused activity." Now, so I don't think we'll be able to cover that much. It's worth it for yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good. Why just to know it's the time No, because he, he he develops a philosophy of mitzvot through through the course of the of reading. Um, he, he gives you an idea of a, a philosophy of mitzvot, and it's it's really really good. Um, and uh, he so in the beginning of Parashat Shumar, where the mitzvah of Mignash is, he says. Um, he says a lot of introduction here, but where does he uh, start talking about the actual mitzvah? Um, <clears throat> he'll, he'll, a lot of times he'll, he'll say, you know, I don't really know. Uh, Who wants they, to they, they didn't know for a long time. It's like they know he's a lady. They weren't really sure. I think in the end... Uh, they determined the, the identity or they have a really good idea of his identity, but like his name is tec- technically, it's not, technically it's unknown. Like, uh, but he clearly, well, he made, huh? Who's a Rishon? Like after the Ramban, because he mentions the Ramban. So a little bit like somewhere in the middle or later period. It's a really, really good book. Um, and he talks here about uh, <clears throat> that a person's ultimate goal should be, you know, should be closeness to God and doing the mitzvot only for the sake of coming close to Hashem, not for any other thing. He says, uh, he says, so When a person through the mitzvot becomes worthy of receiving good, Hashem will be good. To he says that a person who is living according to the Torah will receive the Bachot of Hashem. But then he goes on and he says that, um, that really, uh, that really it's more that Vyesh Bosea mitzvot yasimu megamat pnehem elatova meoted et alen basiyatan levad. Some people will, will have their purpose just the doing of the mitzvah, meaning not any extraneous reward, just lishma. Ki yadu. Not because they know only that, uh, that they're going to get some external good, right? But oh, I'm sorry, he's still talking about the person who wants the extraneous good. He didn't reach the ultimate. Then there are people who instead of doing the mitzvot because it makes them worthy of bracha, they end up developing true love for God. They simply fall in love with Hashem, so to speak. And all they want is closeness to God. And that's the They're not interested in the benefits of the mitzvah, extraneous benefits of the mitzvah, via ma'ala gdola, she'alu eleha ha'avot ha'kedoshim ha'shlosha, ve'arbe mibneem achrehem. And this is the high level that the avot reached, that they had pure avat Hashem. Zecher kulam levacha. Right? Umeata biyot anachat datenu al zeh, ve'en yan mitzvotav avokhu. Te'chayim otav lamar. 
Ki binyan bayit lashem. So now he says about the idea of building a Beit HaMikdash. Okay, he says, for tefilot and korbanot, hakol lehachina levavot lavodato yitaleh. The whole purpose is to prepare the hearts for service of Hashem. Okay? Lo miyoto tzarich lashevet bet anashim. Not that God needs a house, obviously. Should be obvious, right? And so on, he, he mentions that point. Um, and then he says that uh, Because since we're physical, how are we perfected? Through our actions. That what happens is that the more you do something, and the more you, in, and the greater your immersion in it, the more purified you become. Your thoughts, your, your, your mentality. Therefore, God wanted to create a place that would purify the thoughts of B'nai Adam. Meaning a place where people would gain greater clarity. So their hearts would be directed to him. In other words, the real purpose is that a person should come close to God. That's the whole purpose of the Mikdash. Even though it might also be true that there's extreme, that blessing comes to the Jewish people for doing the mitzvot. That's never the desire of the real Eved Hashem. And, uh, and he gives different reasons. It could be because that's, you know, for historical reasons, for practical reasons, whatever. Why he picked that particular location. Okay. Very philosophical, okay? He doesn't always talk like that. But he says, from the perfection of our actions and our thoughts, our mind will reach the level of the transcendent sechel, which I guess assuming means like the uh, uh, angelic sechel, will reach this very high level of connection to God. He says about Shechina, what does it mean that there's the Shechina in the Beit HaMikdash? This is the Sefer Chinuch says. Even though the rabbis say that the Shechina is there even when it's destroyed. He said, I'm saying that really the idea of Shechina is because of the Ovdim. Because of what we do there, the Shechina is, is there. Right? Meaning we are the ones who create the Shechina. Our approaching God in that place is what means, that's what it means that the Shekhinah is there. That it's a place where B'nai Adam connect to God. Okay? And he says, <laughs> He says, in the same way that Hashem sent Nevi'im and other instruments to bring us closer to Him, the same is true with this place. This would actually support your idea of going to Hanabayit because he's saying there's something about the place itself. Since Hashem chose this place to bring human beings close to God, so even though there's no Beit HaMikdash there right now, the fact that it's a place that reminds us of that, uh, therefore, so basically what he's saying is, you can't compare, and he says you can't compare the destroyed Mikdash to the, to the one when it's, when it's built. But the idea is that the fact that it's a place designated for men to approach God, that's what it means the Shekhinah is there. Because still when you stand there, when you go there, even in the, in the state of destruction, it's still a place that invites Bnei Adam to approach Hashem and to elevate themselves, to make themselves worthy of, uh, to serve Hashem. And... Um, but he goes on and on about the Beit HaMikdash. There's a lot of good stuff in here. I don't want to necessarily read it now. Maybe we'll come back to it. 
But that's the idea of Shekhinah was the one I wanted to say. That the idea that Shekhinah is a two-way street. The idea that our approach to God is what it means that the Shekhinah dwells in a certain place. That it is a place in which we are approaching God. Otherwise, the whole universe is uh, God's present in the whole universe. It's not more present in one place than another. But human beings' awareness of God could be more intense or elevated in one place than another place. And that's what it means, the Shekhinah. Okay? So, uh, it's like it says that, you know, when the... Uh, uh, when there's a minyan, there's the Shekhinah. Right? When, anytime people get together and learn Torah, there's the Shekhinah also. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? It's like a magical uh, cloud hovering over their head? No, it means any place, any group, they're approaching Hashem. That's what it means, the Shekhinah is present. In other words, that there's a, there's a heightened awareness and connection to God. Not that God is more in one place than another, but that our minds are on God more in one place than another. So Avraham Avinu was Kovea, this area, to be a place designated for this heightening of this awareness for his future generations. Okay? That's one idea. That's the first idea. There's another idea in Avram Avinu that relates to Migdash. Does anybody happen to know? It's more based on the Midrash, but I think it's, it's, it's good to, uh, to unpack it a little bit. What's the other thing with Avram Avinu related to the Migdash? Anybody know? No, no. Before. Well, it has to be before. He didn't really do anything after that. Except for burying so. What else, what else did Abraham Avinu connect to the Mikdash is in Brit Ben Right? In Brit Ben It's more like Midrashically based, but I think it has a lot of uh, a profound truth to it. It says that when Abraham Avinu said, How do I know that I'm going to inherit the, uh, how, how do I know that I'm going to inherit the land? Right? When, 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 uh, Hashem promises him in Brit Ben Abitarim. Everyone knows Brit Ben Abitarim, right? When Hashem tells Hashem, tells Avraham Avinu, you're going to have many children, you're going to inherit uh, the land. And, uh, and Avraham says, Rashena. First he says, you didn't give me any heir, so everything I did, basically it's going to go up in smoke when I die. There's not going to be any continuity to, my, to what I started because I don't have an heir. To... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get to it. I was just going to turn to it. I'm just giving the background. And then Hashem says, Right? It's in it's in Lech Lecha. Yeah, it's in Lech Lecha per Tedvar. Um, after the war of the four kings. Okay? And uh, he says first he says, Hello Ben Beti that my you know my my basically like uh, my assistant is gonna inherit everything I have. I have no heir. And it says, no, you're going to have someone who comes from you. Count the stars. Towards the beginning. No, not the Tadema yet. Right? And it says, How do I know I'm going to inherit it? What kind of question is that? Hashem just told you you're going to inherit it. Well, what kind of question is happening? How am I going to... It's weird. Then, it, like he doesn't even answer it. Oh, bring me a... What? Yeah, bring me an egla mishuleshet. Ve'ez mishuleshet. Ve'ayl mishulash. Exactly what mishulash means is, is kind of... Uh, uh, does it mean three of them? Does it mean, there's different interpretations. Ve'tor ve'gozal. And bring me tor ve'gozal. The birds. Okay, he cuts them, he puts them there. And then, uh, and then Hashem tells him about the uh, Yitzhak Mitzrayim. 
Right? So what do the Chazal say about this? Where's the answer to, to Avraham Avinu? So in the, the Pshad of it would be that the answer is that there's going to be it's, there's going to be the experience of uh, suffering in Mitzrayim, the Yitziat Mitzrayim, and that's what's going to bring the Jewish people to be worthy, because Avram's question really was, how, are my, how will my children be worthy of uh, receiving this great blessing of the land? Because he understood human nature. Everyone is going to be like me, all of my descendants. Okay, maybe a few people, maybe 10 people, maybe 20, but you're telling me that I'm going to have a number of descendants, and they're all going to be following the Derech Hashem? How is that even possible to imagine in a world where you had to be like a hero to be somebody who wasn't Oved It's like impossible to imagine. So I said, no, it's going to be that a nation is going to be forged from Yitzhak Matan. That's how it's going to happen. And because they're going to have a collective experience, first of the Avdut, and seeing the evil of human government, and then seeing the Malchut Shamaim, they're going to recognize God and they're going to be able to receive the Torah. Okay, that's, that's the pshat, right? Now, what is it? But what did the Chazal say? Does anybody have like one with Rashi, like a Rashi with Rashi? Yeah, yeah? ah, very good. See, we, we, we believe in Rashi. We, we, right, now what he, he says, Bamay daki Rashi, nah? Right, so, so what, what is the Egla Mishulashet, Rael Mishulash? He said, Oh, I don't see the Rashi that I'm looking for. He already said, Asuka already said that he had a Munah, the Amin Hashem. So, what was he, he asking for a physical manifestation right now? He's asking for a. Oh, here it is. He said, What Zechut? We'll give it to them, right? What Zechut? We'll give it to them. Meaning, he wasn't asking, I doubt what you're telling me. He's saying, What Zechut? Bama Idaki Hashemah. Through what? Right? He's not, saying, he's not saying, I don't believe you. He's saying, How will that work? How will it be possible? And what does Hashem say? According to the Midrash, Amarlo, Akadur Bahu, Bizchuta Korbanot. That's why he's bringing all these animals. And then in the Midrash it says, you know, the, uh, the, the, three, ag- the three Agalim is the Par Yom Kippurim, the, par- the different Korbanot, they're all representing the different Korbanot. Okay? And then the, uh, and, the and the Galut. And, um, so, so the Masilah being Korbanot, not, the, not as because the, the people are preconditioned to, to serve this way is why we also bring Korbanot. According to the way he's saying it, you mean. And then the, uh, where is the second part of the Midrash? I, I thought the Rashi brought it. What are the different understandings of Mishul Um I remember that the uh, Unkulus had something. Oh, he has, the, he has like Rashi, that it's 333. And then I think there was another, I thought that I remembered that there's another interpretation of, uh, of Mishuleshet that's brought in the Farshim, but I can't remember. Why do I think you meant cutting the feet? But he does, he cuts them. But I think there's another, inter- maybe I'm thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of where Avram Avinu brings the, uh, where he brings the, um, to the three Malachim. Over there, there's a machloket about what the word means that describes the, uh, Oh, I know what I'm thinking of, actually. No, I'm thinking of it in the Gemara, because it talks about an egla tilta. There's an argument about whether the tilta means it's three years old, or it means that there's three, right? Or it means that it was the third one to its mother. There's always, a lot of times the word mishulash can be more, three, more, than, more than one thing. I think the Mepharshim bring it here too, but I'm not 100% sure. I have to look again. Um, in any case, the, uh, 
the, uh, the, the Gemara goes on, or the Midrash goes on and says, well, that's true in the times of the Beit HaMikdash when there's Korbanot, but what are they going to do when there's no Korbanot? During the times of the Galut. And he said, then they'll learn the Korbanot and it will be uh, Kilo, they uh, brought all the Korbanot. So everyone understood that this, this brief, this, this, this Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath was not unconditional. <clears throat> well, he understood that it, it's impossible that God would give, uh, would give this, fulfill the Sabbath for Ovdei Avodazar, what's the point? So he, he knew that they had to be worthy of it in some way. It wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't make any sense for... See, Avram Avinu realized that it's not like a kind of a... Uh, uh, like some kind of a deal. Like, yeah, like, uh, oh, I was very good, so now my kids will have this blessing no matter what. Why would, why would that... That doesn't even make any sense. Why would Hashem just bestow a blessing upon them if they're not worthy of it? So that must be somehow that they are going to be furthering. See, he understood that the Bacha is an instrument. It's a means to accomplishing this objective of and to you know, bring humanity back to God. So if that's the case, it only makes sense if my children are actually going to be a nation worthy of that. Otherwise, what would be the point of giving them a land? Is it just as a present? You know? Just because I was a good boy, so now my kids get a, they get a trust fund? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. He understood God wouldn't do that because what would be the purpose? So therefore he's asking, in what zechut? So the first, the, the pshat is, okay, he's asking really, what, through what mechanism will they become worthy? Right? But the Midrash adds this idea of the, of the korbanot. What is the idea really of the korbanot? What makes the... Uh, there's another Midrash that says that... Actually, is there a Tuat Mimah there? I think I saw it also. Do you see if there's a Tuat Mimah there? Because they'll bring the whole Midrash. Rashi like cuts it up. What's the point? I think I saw Torah Tvimah. There's another Midrash that says that Avram Avinu, uh, that Avram Avinu, uh, uh, did you find it? I think I saw it. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I saw it. Almost certain. Or should I pause the recording while we look for books? You found it or not? That's all he brings? Let me see if they have it in here because this, this has an interesting, this has a lot of different things. Let me see. Um... Uh, here, here's the one I was mentioning before from Tanit, yeah. He says, it, it was, if not for the Ma'amadot, if not for the Korbanot, basically, there wouldn't be Shemayim Barat. Shemayim said, Chotim Lefanecha. You'll treat them like Gedorah Mabul and Gedorah Palaga. Okay? Okay? And the Midrash goes on connecting it to the... Oh, it's, to answer, it's going to answer why they're not going to be like Abraham Abu. 
Right. So it's interesting. That, that's what I wanted to find. He says, so you shouldn't be like the Dora Mabul and the Dora Palaga. Did you start recording again? Yeah. So what's the idea? What's the idea of Dora Mabul and Dora Palaga? Why would he think his kids are going to be like that? Right? In other words, he's asking two questions according to the Midrash. According to the Peshat, he's just asking through what Zechut will they get it to begin with. And that's Yitziat Mitzrayim. That they have to be a nation, Am Kadosh. God's not just going to give the land stomp to a bunch of people because they have the DNA of Avraham Avinu. It doesn't make sense. Right? He understands that can't be. But how are they going to sustain it is the second question. Right? That's really what the Midrash is saying. That he also implicit in that is it's one thing to get to that level. What about the same level? It says, Bet HaMikdash. Right? He says, what if they become like the Dora Palaga and the Dora Mabul? Right? What's, the, what's the problem with Dora Mabul and Dora Palaga? Why do you mention that? Why would he think that? What was the problem with Dora Mabul and Dora Palaga? Every, in this Midrash, I think every example is like very instructive. Right? What, what is the question he's really asking? What's really the problem with sustaining the level of clarity about Hashem and about purpose? Yeah, because it's easy to do on an on a individual level. But what about whenever they become this big nation like you're telling me? So what happens then? They're just going to go off. Why? Why is he mentioning Dora Mabul? They're going to be that bad? I mean, it's one thing to say that they're going to be, you know. It's, is, he, is he ensuring that Hashem is going to remain with them all the time also? Well, he's asking. He's asking, how can I be sure that this breed is really going to be kept? Meaning, if, because on the side of the human being, he's a, meaning what, what the Chazal are teaching you is, he's not asking a like, oh, God isn't going to tell the truth. Time. He's saying, how are the people going to be worthy of that? Yeah, and he's saying, and in the past, Hashem, what you, you got Dora Mabul and Dora Falaga. You get the show. Right, so what's the Hava Amina and what's the Maskana? Let's just put it in the... In in in, in, in lamdish lamdish. Well, he's saying the beta mikdash, but like what? So the solution. So it's two possibilities. Either we're going to be like Dora Mabul and Dora Palaga, or we have a beta mikdash. Those are two possibilities. Seems very extreme. They, they are if it's things. that bad, the beta mikdash is going to solve the problem of the Dora Mabul. What was the problem with the Dora Mabul? What was the problem with the Dora Mabul or with Dora Palaga? There was no way. There was no framework. To reset the person. Meaning if a person lost the kivun, they lost the derech, there was no framework to bring them back. There was no structure or framework to bring a person back to the truth. If you happen to talk to some to Noach or something and he teaches you uh, what you really should be doing, you'd be very lucky. But there was no institutional framework to guide a person back if they went off the derech, so to speak. There was no framework. So the Dora Mabul had no framework at all. And the Dora Palaga had a bad framework, right? Meaning they had a human-centered, human-glorifying framework. So a person will either in a chaotic, without any framework, will be lost, or they'll find themselves in a framework where something substitutes for God. Like in the case of Dora Palaga, where they had a stabilizing focus, but the stabilizing focus was bad. So what are my children going to do? If each one is left to be a philosopher on their own. Even if you reach them, you bring them to a level of clarity. How are they going to sustain that? Everybody has, everybody drifts. Everybody requires a reset. Everybody requires a, um, a, a refocusing. And certainly on a collective level, that's true. So they can either become like the Dora Mabul, meaning they can completely become, you know, completely lose direction and devolve into chaos. Or they can end up getting a direction that unifies them, but it's a distortion such as Dora, Dora Palaga, right? So, so therefore, Hashem says, no, there's going to be an institution. 
The institution is the Beit HaMikdash. He's saying the Beit HaMikdash is what's going to keep the Jewish people in the right direction. So this is the Korbanot. It'll be a Beit HaMikdash, right? The Korbanot, meaning the Beit HaMikdash. It's the same thing. Right, but, it, right? but, but it seems like they're... Yeah. Meaning they're that, that's what, it's that, for chet, but you see that the midrash is saying it's for chet, that, right? That, that's that's different than the idea of the mikdash as a place in and of itself for taharata machshava and, and and elevation of the person. Is that it's a place for chet, meaning it's a place that you go to reconnect and to refocus when you've lost focus. So so, but you need an institution that facilitates return. Is the point because we are as human beings will always drift from our sense of clarity in anything. So we need an institution that facilitates refocusing. Without that, we'll either drift and be lost or we'll attach ourselves to some other cause or some other institution or some other focus that gives us the stability in life that's a distortion, that's wrong. So therefore, the korbanot is the idea that they'll be able to have kapara. They'll be able, even when they drift, to have a system by which they return and they reconnect and they refocus and they cleanse and there's a continual process of growth that way as opposed to a disconnect that there's no, no clear path back. We couldn't, huh? The Torah itself couldn't be that central institution? Well, it, really it is, because we're going to talk about that. We're going to get to the idea that the Beit HaMikdash is essentially a makom Torah utfila. It's not essentially a makom of korbanot. It's only secondarily really a makom of korbanot. But the korbanot are obviously an important part, just not the essential part. It's mainly ki mitzion tetzetoa. Right? There's a... Uh, they, and, and that's why you don't find... What did Shlomo HaMelech talk about in his tefillah dedicating the Beit HaMikdash? He doesn't mention korbanot one time. He brought a lot of korbanot, but he doesn't mention it in the tefillah. He talks about a person will pray for this and pray for that. And it will be at Sarot and they will pray and fast in this Mikdash or towards the Mikdash. Right? And you will answer Menashamayim. That's that's a, what <clears throat> and what is what does Yeshayahu say? He says, "Ki beti betefila ikarel lechol hamim." What So the the essence is really that where is the Sanhedrin located? Nishkat legazi the Beit Hamikdash. That's a strange place to put a uh, putting a on a butcher shop. You know, you you put the Beit Hamikdash there. Actually, there's an interesting Gemara. Is there a Shas here? There is. Can you, it's behind there. Yeah, can you give me a zvachim? One sec. Sorry, I'm sorry to make you my. I can't ask you your coin. I'm allowed to ask you. It's on the side. It's on the side. I see it here. No, look on the side. Is there a zvachim there? It's only, it looks like half a shot. Doesn't look like a whole shot. On the bottom, on the bottom. Yeah, I saw Oh, there's no, there's no zvachim? Okay. So, um. So it says, very, very interesting. It's talking about why. It's in Ezeum Bekoman. It's on Daf. Nun Dalit Amud Bet in Zvachim. So it talks about the, it talks about the uh, selection of the Makoma Mikdash. And how it was in Binyamin. Because Ben Ketefab Shechem. Why is it not on the highest mountain? Because it's Ben Ketefab and the shoulders are higher than the middle. Right? So it says, Uven Ketefab Shechem. It says, uh, they had a tradition that the Sanhedrin had to be located in the portion of Yehuda and the Beit HaMikdash in the portion of Binyamin. So therefore, and if, they, if the Beit HaMikdash was placed 
in a uh, on one of these other mountains, it would be too far. So therefore, they put it. Okay, the the nitatebe purta. So what they mutav the nitatebe purta. It was better that they make it a little bit lower. Okay, why? So because it says uven tevav shachen. What's the idea? Meaning that the reason for the location of the Beit HaMikdash was actually because of the Sanhedrin, in order to allow for it to be in the Chelek of Yehuda and in the Chelek of Benjamin. Okay, not just in the Chelek of Benjamin because they shared that mountain. That mountain was the border between Benjamin and Yehuda. So it's not just a, uh, it's, so it's not just a, um, uh, it, it happens to be that they put the Beit HaMikdash there. But actually, uh, what does Rashi say here? He says, We have to have the Sanhedrin in the Beit HaMikdash because it says, They have to get up and go there. Right? It has to be in the Chilak of Yehuda. So therefore, they, the Beit HaMikdash was chosen to be a little bit lower, not the highest point in Yerushalayim, right? not the highest point in Israel, right? meaning it's going to be in Yerushalayim, which is a little lower, in terms of its elevation, so that it would, so that the Sanhedrin would be in the same place as the Beit Hamikdash, even though there were other places. Like when I was asking, why can't it be in a higher point in Binyamin? Why would it have to be in Yerushalayim? Oh, because we want the Sanhedrin to be there. So what does that show you? It means that the Sanhedrin being there is of the essence of the Beit Hamikdash. It's not just like a, oh, it's very convenient. Why build two buildings? We can save money, and put the just make a chamber for the uh, uh, for, for the for the Beit for the uh, Sanhedrin. Saying it's part of the it's set of the essence of it that has the Sanhedrin. Okay, so and one of the things that the Sefer Chinuch says a lot is that one of the reasons why the one of the benefits of all of the mitzvot that require you to bring things to Yerushalayim is that you'll go into the Beit Hamikdash and learn from the Kohanim, from the Chachamim that they were located there. So you have exposure to the Chachamim. That's one of the benefits of it. Like why is Maser Sheni have to in Yerushalayim? Why is uh, you have to bring all these korbanot to Yerushalayim? Ali al it's part of the experience was in order to uh, gain from the wisdom of the Chachamim that were located there. So, you, so the idea that there's a, an institution of Korbanot, which is Kaparat Achet, but also Limud, which goes hand in hand with that. In other words, when you, when you come to, to, rec, to do Kaparat, to do Teshuvah, you also continue with a, with a Limud. It means you're reconnecting also to the process of growing in your learning and knowledge and understanding. These two things have to happen together. You can't have just one and not the other. <clears throat> and so therefore, uh, so, so that's what Avram Avinu's answer is according to the Midrash, that Hashem is saying, there's going to be an institution so that when people stray, they have a path back. Okay? So they won't become like Dora Mabul and Dora Palaga. They'll be able to return when they drift. Okay? The location is designated for a strategic purpose. Right, it's for a strategic purpose to be able to combine these two functions of the Torah and the... Ultimately, yeah. David's decision, or Shalomo's decision to, to build it there. The assumption throughout Chazal is that it was a known place. Okay, like the Rambam says in the Morning of Bukhim, really everybody knew where Harabait was, but it was a secret known to the Nevi'im where Harabait was all the time, because Haramoria, but they didn't want to reveal it. And he gives a few different reasons why. He says probably because, you know, then the, it's very interesting what he says because it's so like, uh, what? No, he says, because then the, the non-Jews will want to control that spot because they'll know that that's the spot where they want to build the Beit HaMikdash. 
or every Shevet would want that in their Chelek, they would, they would have tried to, to, wow. to get it. It was a good idea yeah. these days, we should advertise <laughs> places somewhere else. Yeah, and they'll go to, they'll put the mosque over there, and then... According to the according to Chazal, he knew that was the place. It was a tradition going back to you know from Avram Avinu Har Moriah. The, the Rambam says in the Morna Um that I'm sure, I don't think they would have a Morna Bukhim here, but they he they says do they do. Yeah. Oh, could you? Oh yeah! Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, you can. It's even visible. No, just one. It's the same. Wipe it down for No. Uh, he talks about it. He, he gives reasons. Hold on. He has so much on the Bezim Ekdash also on the Morning Booking, which is interesting. So it sounds like the, the fact that Sanhedrin is there is almost like, I meaning they're, they're bringing the Kimitzion to Tzetorah aspect, right? So it's like you come to the Bezim Ekdash to correct from your Chet, and then also at the same time, you're supposed to learn from Sanhedrin. Is that right? Is that what we're getting at? A person, meaning any approach. Meaning korban gets you back to neutral, and then in order to get you, like going positive, it's Sanhedrin. Right. I mean, there's a. What it really signifies is that the essential avodat Hashem is Torah tefillah. Korbanot are just a way to get a person who has strayed to refocus on what's really important. It's a means to get a person engaged in the process if they it's need... It's inspiration. Right, it's an inspiration. But if you... you right, it's like if you have a drasha that's just to inspire people, get them really excited, so but there's no follow-through. Right? But <clears throat> the idea that... that, that we're going to get into all the types of korbanot, but the but Yidiyat Hashem so is the foundation of everything. The point is that Yidiyat Hashem is the foundation of everything. That's the real Avodat Hashem. That's the essence of Avodat Hashem. The korbanot so are a way... That's the essence. Yeah, that's the essence. And that korbanot are a way are an instrument to enable a person to focus their energy, their psychic energy on that process when they're having difficulty doing that. Right? But that's not the essence of Avodat Hashem. And then if you even say that very clearly, even though the Beit HaMikdash is extremely important to have an institution that provides both a guide to what the true Avodat Hashem is, as well as providing a way to get people engaged, Kiruv, basically, you could say, you know, Kiruv Levavot of the, of the Korbanot. Not that only a, be, a low-level person would bring a Korban. A high-level person could also bring a Korban because they want to boost in focusing themselves in on their Avodat Hashem. Certainly How does a Korban do that, though? Because what a Korban... It, 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 what, this, the fear of the animal or the, killing something, seeing life as misleading. Like, what is it about the Korban that makes you refocus? Well, there are different aspects of what, what, what the benefit of a korban is based on what, dependent on which korban it is. You know? But the, 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 the point of, first of all, of giving something of yourself, sacrificing something, you're saying that there's something higher than my physical being, my physical possessions. There's a higher source and a higher purpose to what I'm doing. And giving, and this was very valuable. Giving an animal is very valuable very valuable possession that you're giving. You have to give a good one, too. You're not allowed to give the junk. Yeah. Right? You have to give one of your best. That was the whole difference between Cain and Hebel. What was the machlok? What was the difference between Cain and Hebel? Cain brought... He gave whatever. Right? He gave a korban. He was the first. But he didn't give from the best. 
Hevel gave me Bhorotono Umihilvehen the best. What does that show you? Cain just wanted God's favor. I don't have to give you the best to get your favor. I give you any present, you'll be happy. Right? Hevel meant to say God is really the ultimate. There's nothing that I have and there's nothing that I possess that is more significant than God. So therefore I give my best. Okay? So it drives home that point, the, the willingness to sacrifice what belongs to me. This belongs to me, this animal. I was going to have a delicious dinner. I'm giving it to God. Right? So that's part of the uh, you know, overcoming the Yetzirah to be tr- attached to the physical. You're saying everything physical, including myself really by extension, all of it belongs to God. And that, that's, that's the main point of a korban, but there are other points too. Like a shlamim is different than ola, let's say, or chatat. We'll, we'll talk about what, what the function is, but I just wanted to read this Rambam. I want to find that Rambam, uh, what he says. So he says, yeah, in the in Perak Memhei of Mornebuchim, for those who uh, want to look up the source, um, he takes it literally, by the way, he says that, you know, that Pana Avram Avinu Lemarav Bahara Moria, Kromaba Migdash. Um, the Avraham Avinu established the, uh, the Haramoria and, uh, and he says because it was a high mountain he says because the Obdeh Abodah would always put their temples on high mountains therefore Avraham Avinu sanctified it as a place to, to uh, declare the oneness of God that's why, what Haramoria was really about so he's saying that that's interesting like by implication he's basically telling what the Akedah was really about Right? The, the, and, then, and then he says, really, Everybody really, many people knew. Because he already said it's going to be a special place. Like the uncle who says that Avram prayed in that place and said, Kodam Hashem, Yohon Palachin. Right, the, in the, the, the targum of the pasuk of Bahar Hashem Yira'ez in the future, future generations are going to serve God in this mountain. Okay? So that's the Aval Madu'a lo yizkiro b'ferush b'Torah ve'lo yichadu'a le'beremez. Right? Why, why is it only a hint in the Torah? He says three reasons. He says, Yesh b'kach l'dati shalosh chokhmot. Three smart things. First one, that the other nations won't take it. Second one, that they won't destroy it. Because they want to get rid of the idea of Yichud uh, Hashem from the world. And the third one, the Shvatim won't argue over it, which he says is really the main one. Okay, this is in the Moran Bukhim where he talks about it. Okay? So the, the idea is that it was from the times of Avram Avinu. But he, but he tells you what is really the purpose of Mikdash? To declare the oneness of God. That's the essence of the Beit Mikdash. It's a place that Asher, Shem Hashem Nikra Alav. Meaning it's a place where human beings come to learn about and to acknowledge the Yichud Hashem. And you, but the, there's a, the, the Rambam focuses on the idea of getting people away from Abu Dazara when it comes to the Korbanot. That's, that's a lot of what he, what he says is the purpose. So he, and it can be the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you're, we're viewing like people go in this downward trajectory, whether it's because of personal sins or Abu Dazara or whatever it might be. So the, then the, the Mikdash is kind of supposed to bring you, reorient you, and then Torah and Tzvila is supposed to elevate you. Right? Yeah. Life is that, like, crescendo yeah. to crescendo, and you're constantly, ideally going eventually off track. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's similar to uh, what we were talking about last night about miracles, like, 
the korban is almost like an event that can be very impactful for the person as they make the sacrifice. They demonstrate what is what are they doing really when they make a sacrifice? They're not giving something to God, obviously, in the literal sense, but they're demonstrating what is most important, what is actually most important, right? They're taking something that they would naturally be attached to for their selfish reasons, and they're giving it to God, exactly what Avraham Avinu did, right? They're demonstrating to themselves and to others what is really the most important thing in existence, what is really of the ultimate value. That's what a sacrifice is. So right. that's the case. Shouldn't be every person. Someone that's very, very affluent should be giving many, many korbanot, right? Because he should, he should come up not Right, you should, it is true. Exactly what you just said. That's what that was. What did Shlomo Melech had like tens of thousands of yeah. korbanot? Because uh, he could afford it. That's what he would need. To, right to, to really show that he's making a dent in uh, in, in in what he has. Like uh, when you're a billionaire, here's a hundred dollars. It's a show materialism. Materialism is everything. Right, that's that's what it's trying to show you. A korban olah is the ultimate example because a korban olah, that's why it's kodesh 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 kodeshim. Kodesh kodeshim means purely to acknowledge Yichud Hashem. Right, completely burnt. Totally burnt. There's nothing of it to B'nai Adam. Like the skin goes to the Kohanim. You know, they need to make a living. You know, but, uh, but, the, but, but really, but that's also part of it. Being mifarnis the Kohanim is part of the Mikdash because the idea that we need teachers of Torah. That's what we need them. It's necessary for the, for the nation to have. So the, the fact that they benefit from the korban is because they're serving, they're serving in that capacity on behalf of God. But, they, but, the, uh, but the real purpose of the korban, one purpose, that's the purpose of an olah. Purpose of a chatat is, I don't want to go into all the korbanot maybe right now, but the, the, but the concept of a korbanot, we understand, is to get a person back into the framework of Avodat Hashem who's left, left it. That doesn't mean that the korban is itself the, the ultimate Avodat Hashem, it definitely is not. Nobody thinks that. that. That's for sure not. What is the idea of the Korban? The idea of the Korban is that when a person is straying from the derech, it's because other things have become most important to them. Their priorities are out of whack. That's, the, that's what Chet is. Chet is your priorities are out of whack. What kind of Chataim are there? Pesha, Avera, and you know, there's, there's uh, Chatati, Aviti, Pashati. Right? What's chatati? Chatati is I had the right goal, but I made a mistake in trying to accomplish the goal. You know? Aviti is I deliberately chose the wrong goal. I deliberately chose the wrong thing. Right? That's b'mezit. And then pshia is like rebelling against God. Meaning that's that saying that's uh, rejecting the whole concept because a person can have a b'mezid, but still I recognize what was right, but in this particular instance, I deliberately chose the wrong, the wrong goal, not just a chet. That's why you don't bring a korban for b'mezid because you, you bring korban when you make a mistake, right? That's a, the korban is generally when you make a mistake to correct. When you did b'mezid, you chose deliberately to do something wrong. You have to do tishuvah for that, but the korban doesn't help with that. And then you have Shia, which is basically I rejected the whole concept of, uh, of serving God. So there's no Korban for Shia? Most of the time, no. Most of the time it's only for, khata, for, uh, for uh, mistakes. For mistakes. Because yeah. yeah. it's too serious to have a Kabra from a... Not because, because, I, it, because, because the idea is that uh, it's, it, would, it would cheapen the significance of a Mezid if you were just able to bring a Korban and, and cover for it. It wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't be sufficient. Because that deliberately shows a, a, a goal that was contrary to God's will. 
And then a third pesha is where the whole person is basically mm-hmm. saying, I, I'm totally out of the framework of God's will. It's not just that I, in a particular instance, I pursued an, an object. Let's say like David Melech in what he did with uh, Uriah, it was uh, Mezi. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't Bishogeh. But that the, he wasn't a poshea against God, that he, you know, that he was uh, rejecting the Malchut Shamayim and his ultimate purpose. In that particular instance, he chose to pursue a course of action that was contrary to God's will. He deliberately chose. So it's Avon. That's Avon. So you have those three things. So uh, in any case, that's the, that, the, so the Korbanot are coming to enable a person, but the Bet HaMikdash is mainly a place of Shekhinah, which means it's mainly a place where a person comes to knowledge of God. The Ralbag and also the Sefer HaChinuch talk about this idea that the Bet HaMikdash elevates a person's intellectual connection to God, like the, the Sefer HaChinuch was saying, elevates a the, the, the Midrashim talk about how the Nevi'im would have Nevu'ah when they would go on Aliyah on the regular, be so inspired by the experience of the Bet HaMikdash. The purpose is that it takes the psyche the different aspects of the psyche, and it directs them in the proper path towards God, towards an understanding of God. So for a Navi, he also needs that, because we know that when a Navi is, like Yaakov Avinu, when a Navi is, isn't in the right psychological state, they can't have Nevoah. They need the right psychological state also. So the, so the, the, the Beit HaMikdash, the Raul Bag is very big on the idea that the purpose of the Mikdash was to facilitate Nevoah. And that's why the, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu, Vayishmata kol midaber elav. He would go, he would receive nevuah in the Mishkan because, to show that this is really the goal of the Mishkan is for a person to be able to have a full, because what is really holds us back, I mean, it's not the only thing, but what, one of the main things that holds a person back from attaining nevuah, for us it's that we don't have the knowledge and we don't have the development of our minds, but it's also that we don't have the focus, right? we don't have the orientation to be able to uh, achieve nifu'ah. And the Mikdash would facilitate that. And, uh, you know, and that, that was, the Ralbag is very big on that issue and uh, really emphasizes it a lot. And also ties in a little bit with the Ramban because there's basically two approaches in, in, in the traditional literature about what is the Mishkan representing, right? One is what the Ramban says, that actually the, the whole Mishkan is basically Mamad Har Sinai becomes portable, okay. right? Re, that's why the Luchot are in the center of it and the three levels, just like there were three levels of approaching Har Sinai, that really, and the Korbanot were at the foot of the mountain. So like, it's really that because the event of Har Sinai was so unique, never to be repeated, so to perpetuate the, the Har Sinai, we have the Mishkan. That fits very beautifully with the idea of the Ralbag, even though he doesn't mention, I don't remember him mentioning it anywhere, but it fits beautifully because the idea of nivuah. Basically, they have the experience of nivuah, of closeness to God, and that's what the Mishkan is trying to perpetuate, the ultimate example of that, so we can yearn to experience it again. Just like, you know, I always I use the example... I similar idea, like recreating uh, um, the idea of a Mikdash when there isn't a Mikdash. You mean in Yechezkel's nivuah? Yeah. The nivuah there was the idea that the Shekhinah moved to Bavel. Right, that it lifts up and it goes to Bavel, that, the, that you can have, you have, you can have you right. that, so, so that's the interesting thing. What do Chazal say about, um, about the, is, is there a Menachot there also? I think it's at the end of Menachot. There's a nice short about Korban at the end of Menachot, something similar to that. The idea that only when it comes to, I, where was the Shas before? Oh, over there? Yeah, I think that's only Baba Metziah, right? 
Yeah, it's probably the Gemarot. Yeah, for the Shior. Where what happened? Bring, it says, right? He made a korban in Beersheba on his way down to Mitzrayim. Right? He, he brought Zvachim to the God of his father. So what does the Rabbah say? He said he wanted Nivuah. He, he wanted Nivuah to know was it okay for him to go to Mitzrayim. It might be in this volume actually, and I might have made you go for nothing. Yeah, it was in this volume. It was doubled up. It's like the old one. This was the shots that I had when I was a kid, but I had it in a larger set than this, not, not a mini one. I should have remembered. Sorry, I wasted your time. Okay, but yeah, no. He's, the Rav Bag says that the reason why ya- Yaakov wasn't sure if it was okay for him to go to Mitzrayim, if to settle, or if he could just go see Yosef and come back. So he, so he wanted Nivuah, so he, so he brought the korbanot. Right. That's the Rav Bag says, and you notice a lot of times the avot when it says they built a mizbeach, where they brought a korban right so afterwards they have Nivuah. Uh, right. So he says that you see that's what the korban is. Is it like leaving the physical behind? Or don't have nice that, that, that. So here we have Rabbi Yonatan. We have like this. Interesting. This very end of Menachot. Should I quote pages and stuff so people yes, can look yes, up? Yes, okay. So yeah, I know that they sometimes like to do that. I, I'm very lazy about that. I can never remember it myself only by the eye. Kufiyot. It's the very end of Menachot, so it's easy to remember. Um, very last daf. Kufiyot. Um, it says. Uh, there's only one Amud, so it's easy. Right? In every place, an offering is brought. A burnt offering is brought to me. Or is the next part of the pasuk? Right? In Malachi. Right? Really? In every place, there's a, there's a korban brought to God? Is that true? Okay, man male aleena katuf kilo asukim ba avoda. It's as if they're doing the avoda in the Beit Hamikdash. That's why it says they're ovdei Hashem, ovdei Hashem ba balelot. Last one, I think. It says leolam zot al Yisrael. It talks about how these kohanim and everything. It's in Divrei Yamin. Leolam zot al Yisrael. These, this whole, all of these mishmarot and everything of the kohanim are going to be forever. Really, it's not forever, obviously. Right? So Amarab Gidal of Gidal Amarab Zemizbeh Ban Uyumikhsal Hagadolo Medu Makriba Lav Koban, Rabbi Yochanan Amar, 
אלו תלמידי חכמים העסוקים בהלכות עבודה, מעלה עליהן הכתוב, כאילו נבנה מקדש בימיהן. These are the תלמידי חכמים who are learning the laws of the עבודה. It says if the בית המקדש was built in their time. Okay? Now, what's the, and, and of course there's the famous פסוק, there's a famous thing that uh, רבי יצחק says, זאת תורת החטאת, זאת תורת האשם, כל העוסק בתורת חטאת, כאילו הקריב חטאת. כל העוסק בתורת עולה, כאילו, uh, כל העוסק בתורת אשם. כאילו הוא הקריבה שם, right? Meaning, and, and actually one more חז"ל I want to mention to you, that he said, it says, um, but what's the concept there? Why, you don't see that any, any other mitzvah. That it's, it has this emphasis, oh, the people, it's like they're doing avodah at night because they're learning the halachot of the avodah, right? Or, uh, you know, the Torah chatat is, uh, it's as if כאילו הוא הקריב חטאת. Why? Can I learn the halachot of lulav and say, okay, I'm not going to go to the lulav. I learned the halachot of lulav. I learned the halachot of Hanukkah. I won't let them know. We don't have to do it. Yeah, we don't have it. What else are we going to do? The only reason that we're saying the action itself doesn't have any intrinsic symbol. Because it's not only saying in Zman of Korban. Right? It's saying that even during the Ovdei Hashem, Bebet Hashem Balelot, they're in the Bet HaMikdash at night because they're learning it. It says, Ki'ilu, they're doing the Avodah at night. Meaning, because the Avodah really... is a representation of an inner, it's the ideas of the Korban that's really the power of the Korban, right? So you can have the ideas of the Korbanot and have, have an impact on you from studying and understanding the Korbanot and it can help you reframe yourself, even the studying of what a Korban is, since really the effect of the Korban is a mental impact that it's supposed to have on you. Right? So therefore, you're able to achieve that, at least to some degree, sure. through the limud. Right? And I saw in the Chafetz Chaim's book, he, he, he contrasts that with, uh, with this other Chazal, it's a little bit above, that it said, um, it says, first it says, Reish Lakish says, Ma'i dikhtiv zot ha-Torah la'ola la-mincha ve-la-chatat ve-la-asham, kol ha-usek bata ki'ilu ikriv ola u-mincha chatat ve-asham. Anybody who studies Torah, it says, if he brought the Korban. Rava said, ha, he says, no. El Amar Rava, kol ha'usik b'Torah, eno tzarich lo ola velo mincha, velo asham. Okay? So the, the Chafetz Chaim said, the difference is that whenever you say, if you did this, it's ki'ilu, you did the second thing. So the implication is that really the second thing is superior. But we're, you know, yatata yedei chobah with the lower thing. Right? But he says, but Rabbi is saying, no, kol ha-lomed, eno tzarich. Right? He's saying, actually, the limud is even higher because it's what you learn from the experience of the korban that's really the essence of it. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay? But I think the main point is that since what the, what the, what the Chazal are telling you, obviously they're saying it because of korban Beit HaMikdash also, you know, that, that, that but, but the Chazal are telling you that the korban is, is essentially Right? The argument maybe between Rava and Rish Lakish is it still the Korban itself is more powerful being a physical action that it makes an impact as opposed to just the ideas. But the essence is the ideas in terms of the effect of the Korban. Would it be even more powerful of an impact if it had the physical Korban? That's, that, you know, that, that seems to be the case, right? But, but the point is that since the essence of the Korban is really an, a mental state that's engendered by the Korban and an awareness, so you can achieve that through Limud as well. Okay. It's nothing, right. Just bring, and, and we have like the story of B'nai Eli. What does it say about B'nai Eli? This sin of B'nai Eli will not be able to be covered by 
any korban, right? Right. That's the uh, what's the pasuk? Um, what happened to our Tanakh? Oh, right, it's right in front of me. Yeah. So, uh, what does it say about Bnei Eli in the korban? Uh, the beginning of Shmuel. Beginning of Shmuel. Um, says. It's in second parak, right? Second or third? Second. Uh, you found it? Yeah. No, no, not that one, not that one. The other one. Um, in the Nivuah, in the Nivuah. Um, in the Nivuah, where is it? Um... I know it's here somewhere. Shh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where it says their their chit will not be uh, will not be atoned for by a korban. Where is that? Where is that pencil? It's in the Nevoah. Is it when yeah, is in Shmuel's Nevoah? Where is it? It's in Perigil. Oh, All right, yeah, but Zevach or Mincha, I don't know, right? What did that show you? It shows you that a ze- So what did the Chazal say? Bezevach or Mincha, it wouldn't be, right? But Torah and Tzedakah could be, right? Torah and Chesed could be, just not Zevach or Mincha. Why? Because Zevach or Mincha presupposes a person with the right values. A zevach or mincha is to re-engage you when you have the right goal. You just went off the track, so you need to have, you need something to refocus. You. But a person who's corrupt, they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to uh, they're not gonna be able to benefit from the korban. How could the korban be a kapara? They're not gonna be able to benefit from the korban because the korban presupposes someone with the right values, right? That's why it says zevach rishayim toeva. It's an abomination to bring a zevach. Why? Because what are you bringing a zevach to? To legitimize to, 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 right, my, my evil. I like, give a gift to God. That's a toy vav. What a korban is. It's supposed to be the opposite. I'm, I'm supposed to transcend my corruption in the korban. Not, not, not the other way around. Not, not validating. Right? So, the, so that's why it says if the B'nai Eli would bring korbanot, that would just reinforce their corruption. What do they need? Torah? And Chesed. Where does it say uh, that? Tuan the Chesed. I think Rashi quotes it in the. Uh, do we have a Navi? Uh, Navi here? He quotes it. It's a, it's a Gemara. It's actually a Gemara. Do you have a. They don't have a Navi? No, do you have one with Farshim, like with the Rashi? It's a Rashi. There's, maybe a Radak brings it. Somebody. Somebody definitely brings it, I'm, I'm sure. It's, it's a Chazal. But the idea is that it's, it's actually a Gemara. It's a Gemara. For, it's not a. It's not a, a midrash. But the point is that in the um, in the uh, if you have like a yeah, even, yeah. where over oh, there. He got found it. Right. Meaning things that change the nature of the person, like they learn learn Torah or Tefillah or Chesed because Chesed Chesed is very powerful. Because chesed pushes you away from the self. Right? It changes the... That's why the quality of chesed in Rivka is the main quality of Rivka that, that he selects her. Because a person who's oriented towards chesed means that they're not, self, they're not oriented to, towards themselves. They see a bigger picture beyond themselves. 
that opening of the eyes to a bigger picture, being sensitive to the briot, is a foundation for coming closer to God. That's why chesed is so critical in the Torah. Right? So if they did chesed, if they learned Torah, even tefillah, where they're reflecting on real reflection, they could have broken out of the, the gzardin of uh, the B'nai. It's a very nice chazah. teaches you that idea. That the, uh, that, that, you ha- that the korban is only as good as the person's yediyat Hashem. It can't be a substitute for the, the yediyat Hashem. It can't just reinforce my corrupt ideas or my... Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. It, it becomes like institutionalized bad. But the uh, ritualized... Uh, it becomes a ritualized corruption. But, the, but even on an individual level, a person like, like Leon said, if you bring a korban, you didn't do teshuvah. It's not a valid korban. It, it can't be accepted. That's what the point of it. So, the, um, so if it's not bringing you actually closer to God and reaffirming your return to God, then, then what's the point of it? So that's really the uh, first step in understanding the Beit HaMikdash. There's a ton more, obviously, but I guess we should, we should go for coffee because I guess these guys are, need the room. Okay. So we're not coming in here. I think